Humanity is growing and connecting. Tomorrow's world needs more energy from more places. But to find our net zero future, we must overcome the natural constraints of many new energy sources. This is the Low Carbon Solutions Podcast, where we look at the energy challenges of modern life and the innovators finding solutions. Join us for a low carbon, high energy conversation with your host, Joe Batir. This views of the host are his own and should not be viewed as those of any business, corporation, or government entity. Hello, and welcome to the Low Carbon Solutions Podcast brought to you by AWS. I'm your host, Joe Batir. This is the show where we bring you low-carbon, high-energy stories from the people solving the energy challenges of modern life. Now, today we've got a special guest, Bernie Carl. He comes all the way from Alaska. Now, I met Bernie when I started doing my PhD in heat flow on Alaska. He was very generous, always helping me out, and through Bernie, I really, I've always been inspired about geothermal energy and about really just doing our part as citizens of this earth to, to, to be good stewards of it. Now, I, I know I've, I've kind of just been rambling here. So Bernie, I know my introduction barely scratches the surface of your story career. Can you give us a, a quick rundown of, I guess, Let's start with how you got to Alaska and and what you're doing nowadays. Well, um, thank you, Joe. Thank you for the introduction and thank you for the opportunity to uh, talk about uh, what I'm passionate about, uh, making the world a better place to live. Um, I was born number six of 16 children, one mom and dad in a place called Peoria, Illinois. And my parents wanted us. My parents were the two wealthiest people in the whole world. They had wealth beyond belief, but they just didn't have any money. When you have 16 children, you're scratching a broke man's ass. But they taught us about God, and they taught us about values, and, and uh, uh, they were wealthy beyond belief because uh, their, their, value was, uh, their value was in God. It wasn't in money because they didn't have any. But with that being said, my dad taught all 16 kids to read. My dad said, if you can read and you can do math, you don't need to go to school. So I'm one of the least educated people you've ever met. That doesn't mean I'm stupid. That just means that I did not go to school. My dad taught us to read. His 16 children can do anything. They can do anything because we were encouraged to read and encouraged to do math. I have five brothers that are in wheelchairs. They have muscular dystrophy. They can't pick up a cup of coffee. They can't comb their hair. There's nothing they can't do. They hire arms and legs, but God took away from them. Uh, ment- physically, he gave them 10 times mentally. They've never been on the public dole. They make the world a better place to live. It's, uh, it's amazing. Five families live on the family farm. Uh, when I was uh, 10 years old, um, I read a National Geographic. It was all about homesteading in Alaska. And uh, I told everybody in my family, I'm moving to Alaska. And they would say, pack your bags, go ahead and go at 10. I didn't move to Alaska until I was 20. And I came to Alaska to homestead. When I got up here, the homesteading was closed. I went to work for NC Machinery, the Caterpillar dealer. I went to work on the pipeline. Uh, I met my wife on the pipeline. I changed my age. When I went to the pipeline, I was 20. I changed my age to 34. 
and I changed my age on all my paperwork because at 20 years old, who in the hell's going to respect you? You don't know anything. At 34, uh, I earned respect. I always said, yes, sir, no, sir. Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. I was always the first one on the job, always the last one to leave, always did my work and did several other people's work. So it worked well for me. That was my jumping off point. I was working, I was, I was getting a PhD on working on Caterpillar equipment. There was 2,000 pieces of Caterpillar equipment on the job. And I learned anything and everything about every piece. Uh, you know, I, I learned to weld the crack of dawn. I can weld a broken heart. Uh, I got good at my craft because I wanted to. So that I, there's nothing I can't fix, nothing I can't build. And I got a lot of those skills on the pipeline. Uh, I met my wife on the pipeline, Constance May Parks-Carl. We became one, happily married for 45 years. We went gold mining together. Um, uh, we built, cut down the trees, built the log cabin together, hand dug the well, hand dug the outhouse hole. Uh, we've done it all. When we got done mining, I, I wanted to stay in mining, so we started a recycling business. We're the largest recycler in the state. We recycle everything from light bulbs to jet engines and everything in between. I truly practice what I preach. I believe nature has zero waste. God only made one mammal that deliberately destroys his environment and then denies it. It's man. So I'm going to prove to the world that you can have all the 21st and 22nd century amenities with zero waste. And how are we going to do that? Well, we bought a place called China Hot Springs, and it's like my laboratory, my laboratory. And uh, the first thing we did, we bought it from the state of Alaska. They were losing a million dollars a year, not counting debt load. The first thing we did, the first day of ownership, I started drilling a well, a geothermal well. On the sixth day, the well was finished. On the seventh day, I'm running four inch HTPE line to the pool building. And I'm no longer having a 1.5 million BTU boiler heat the pool and the spas. I'm now heating with geothermal water. Yeah, can you imagine they had a boiler? You had a hot spring, they got a boiler heating hot water. That's right, about 4,000 gallons of fuel a month. That's the first thing we cut out. And then we took every building and we heated them geothermally. 1.5 million BTU propane furnace in the lodge. We did away with it. We did away with all of the all of the oil heaters in every building and we changed it to geothermal. That's right. We took a hug from the earth. A hug from the earth. That's the first thing we did. That saves about $550,000 a year in diesel fuel by just simply using hot water. You don't have to be the brightest bulb on the tree, just a bulb. And then we switched from, then we decided we can make electricity. We first started working with a company called Ormat. Ormat said that it couldn't be done that I wanted to do. So they left me alone. I bought two refrigeration compressors from Alaska Pipeline, and I decided I would run those backwards and make electricity. I got a call from a company called United Technologies. They own Pratt & Whitney, Skorsky Helicopter, Otis Elevator, Carrier Refrigeration, Chubb Security, Kitty Fire Systems, Hamilton Sunstrand. And they called me up and they got my name from Roy Mink, who at that time was running the geothermal department for the Department of Energy. And they said, we understand you're going to build a organic Rankin cycle to make electricity. I said, yeah, I've got all the refrigeration parts. I'm just going to run it backwards. 
I mean, uh, you don't have to be a brain surgeon to figure that out. You don't have to be the brightest bulb, just a bulb. And they said, would you like to work with us? I said, well, why do I want to work with you? And they told me all the reasons. And uh, so I, I went to work with them. And uh, we have two of their turbines up here that we put in in 2006. The first geothermal power plant in the state of Alaska. The first in the world to make power off of 165 degree uh, water. And as a matter of fact, we're working on one today. We just have it tore down. We'll have it started up by the end of the day. Uh, we fixed a couple leaks in it, a couple tubes. We cleaned the tubes and we'll have it fired back up this afternoon or today sometime. And that machine's been running since 2006, if you can imagine. Uh, that brings me to uh, an evolution. United Technologies sold that company to Mitsubishi Heavy Industries for $1.1 billion. I used to get $1,000 a piece for each machine that was sold. They no longer build that machine. And that takes me to Kashan. And Kashan is a company out of China that builds a screw expander. And we bought the very first screw expander from them in their, in their history for geothermal. We have serial number number one. And then we bought the very first synchronous screw expander from Kashan. And that, uh, that has changed the world for geothermal. And they've now sold a billion dollars worth of units in the world. That brings me then to the next course of business. And uh, uh, we want to expand, uh, we want to expand this knowledge um, and expand what we do. So, so at China, it's now a 2000 acre property. We turned it into an ESOP where it's employee owned. Uh, my wife of 45 years died of ALS on the fourth day of February a year ago. And, uh, uh, she died with zero net worth. I'm going to die with zero net worth. We turned it into an ESOP so our employees will all retire independently wealthy. And we want to prove to the world that you can come to China Hot Springs and you'll see that there's going to be zero waste where everything's accounted for. You know, uh, where all of your cardboard paper is bailed and we turn it into building blocks for the future. All your plastic is bailed up and we actually use that to insulate the permafrost and we build road over it. We build some of the best road that's ever been conceived in the history of man. The half-life of plastic is forever. It's the best insulation you can get to protect the permafrost and to protect from global warming. And we have a two and a half mile road that has a thousand tons of plastic bales in it that have been working flawlessly. I think we're going to change the way roads are built in the Arctic. We're now going to build a building out of five foot thick walls out of bailed cardboard and, and then gunite it all with concrete to prove to the world that there is zero waste, zero waste. We're just in the process of building two continuous feed methane digesters. When you go to the bathroom here and you flush that toilet, think about Bernie Carl making five to ten dollars off of you. It's going to go to continuous, continuous feed methane digesters and that'll be the last part being totally sustainable. I've already built the hydrogen kitchen of the future. So we're going to take your waste, your human waste, turn it into CH4, let nature do it all. I call it biomimicry. We are mimicking what nature does. There's not a better teacher than nature. So we want to share this with the world. We want to share. When you share, you care. When you care, you share. I am proud of the Industrial Revolution. We have 200 pieces of steam equipment here. 
We have 300,000 people a year come here and visit. And they go on an energy tour twice a day for free, for free to see these things. They get to see steam equipment running. I'm proud of the Industrial Revolution. I'm proud of what made America great. I'm ashamed of where we're going. Shame on us. We used to lead the parade. America used to lead the parade. We're not even in the parade. What the heck is wrong with that? I want us to lead again. I want us to lead in all aspects. I am totally different than anyone you've ever met. I think we do things backwards. When people say, I speak a lot at, at public engagements and sometimes there could be a few thousand people, the most was 4,500 people in the room over in Taiwan. And they asked me about global warming. I said, absolutely, there's global warming. If you think there's not global warming, you have your head up your ass. I said, I'll show you global warming. But if you think for one moment that man has caused that, you're insane. I said, we're at the end of an ice age. Then I pick up a glass of water and I ask everybody, how many people in this room want clean water for you, for your children, for your grandchildren? How many people want clean water? I want to see it by hand. I've never had I've never had no one not put their hand up. And then I asked them, I said, how many people, how many people want clean air? I want to see it by hand count. How many people want clean air? I've never had one person not want clean air. So then I say, look at here. I said, I brought all of you idiots together, the people on the right and the people on the left. There's people on the right that says, Global warming. People on the left says there's never global warming. You know, I'm never going to be able to bring you idiots together. But I said, I've just brought you together with common sense. Every one of you said you want clean water. Every one of you said you want clean air. So why, why would you in your own living room? We want clean air. We want clean water. We shouldn't pollute our water. We shouldn't pollute our air. I think it's wrong to have this carbon tax and tax everybody. I think the way we should do it is say just the opposite. Build a coal power plant anywhere you want it, no permits. Can't have a smokestack. Build a nuclear power plant anywhere you want it, no permits. Can't have any waste. The only reason that we burn oil like a drunken sailor is because we're addicted to oil in one arm and we're addicted to greed in the other. Those are the two addictions that America's on. We're addicted to oil. We're addicted to greed. And now we've changed the political landscape so that you have to have, you can't get a job done. You can't do anything because of all the permits that are needed. It takes you 20 years, maybe 30 years to permit a nuclear power plant. If you could, is nuclear power great power? Absolutely. So why don't we do these things? I think we need to take a look at how we do things. We need to say, you can do anything you want if there's zero waste and no harm to the environment. Nature has zero waste. So I think we need to rethink the way our whole energy program needs to be rethought of how we do it. Now, we came up with a plan to run any power plant, whether it's diesel, coal, whatever, makes no difference with no power, with no smokestack. And United Technologies asked me if they could patent it. I said, absolutely, you can patent it. But you can't charge me for using my own ideas. Now, you don't need to have a smokestack. 
The only reason we have a smokestack on anything is because the solution to pollution is dilution. So we take and put a 900 foot smokestack on a coal power plant and put all that pollution up in the air. And we hope it goes on someone else's state or it goes on someone else's country. Shame on us. All of that energy that's in that smokestack and all of the elements that are going out there are the building blocks that we need. The CO2, a one acre greenhouse with a 24 foot sidewall will consume 26 tons of CO2 a day. So that is plant food. It's insane to pollute our air with it. We should use it for what it's intended for. Have greenhouses, all simple four function math. You want X amount going out your chimney? Here's how you clean it up. Here's what you have to do to consume it. That's what nature does. Nature consumes the CO2. Nature consumes things that when it rots and turns it into other things and uses it. That's what we need to do. We need to take a lesson out of the, the book of nature. So that is kind of what brought me to Alaska. That's what keeps me in Alaska. You could not run me out of here with a stick. I love what I do. I've never had to work one day in my life ever. If you, if you truly love what you do, you don't have to work. I'm the first one up in the morning. I'm the last one to go to bed. And I've never had to work one day in my life. I don't need to worry about retiring because I don't have to retire. I never will. I don't have to worry about retirement because that isn't going to happen. So that is a beautiful way to live. It's a beautiful way to see the future. I know that my, my future in heaven has been paid for and I'll be there with my lovely wife when God thinks I should be there. In the meantime, I'm on a mission. I'm on a 50 year mission right now that is going to be going to change the world in my estimation. It's going to be the poster child for the world. We have undertaken the largest civil project in the state of Alaska over in Unalaska, Dutch Harbor. The native people there, the Ungan people, have been on that particular island for 10,000 years continuously. Uh, it's the oldest indigenous people in North America. Um, the Makushan volcano is the most, uh, there's more information been put together on the Makushan volcano than any other geothermal source in the state of Alaska. No one has ever done anything with it. We put together a program to buy 7,000 acres and to buy a piece of that volcano, a 350-acre plateau, 1,100 feet up the side of the volcano. There is a three-inch well that has been drilled there by uh, the state of Alaska. Alaska Energy Authority was drilled in 1983. It puts out 62,000 pounds of steam an hour at 397 degrees at 60 PSI. It had a flow test of 44 days and didn't pull it down at all. Uh, it's considered to be, Geothermax did a report on there and uh, uh, it looks very promising to put out, uh, their report showed that it would put out 100 megawatts of power for 500 years. We think they're a little shy, but Geothermex is a very conservative company, as you know. Uh, we're looking at making 30 megawatts of power. We have a power purchase agreement with the city of with the city of Unalaska right now, Dutch Harbor, for, for 30 megawatts of power. 
We're in the process as we speak right now. We are building 10 miles, 10.4 miles of road in some of the toughest area known to man. Uh, we have a little camp set up. We took in three barge loads of equipment. We're working today as we talk. We are physically building a road. We're able to get our core permits. We're all 100% on native land. I joint ventured with the Unalaska Native Corporation. They own 51%. China Power owns 49%. And China Power, as I said earlier, is an ESOP owned by the employees. And uh, are you still there, Joe? Yes, still uh, here. <laughs> uh, and so uh, we are now building the road as we speak. Uh, we have... We have a tender out and we will be choosing an EPC contractor here very soon. We started out with four, four, uh, four manufacturers. We're down to two and uh, we're vetting all of their, uh, their tenders right now. And within the next uh, uh, week to two weeks, we will select an EPC contractor and then we'll announce that to the world. Uh, we're on schedule. We're on budget. And, uh, the second phase, I'm actually going there on, we're having our energy fair here at Chena on the 15th of this month. That'll be the 15th annual energy fair. Uh, we expect at least a thousand people to show up. We have the secretary of energy going to be here, our congressional delegation, our governor. And uh, the day after I'm taking greenhouse people that came from Holland and from uh, British Columbia. Our second phase is 40 acres of greenhouses. Uh, that will employ 200 people, turn out uh, 94,000 pounds of food every day, 365 days a year. Uh, the third phase is to make 65 million gallons a year of, of uh, metro liquid hydrogen to provide for the fishing fleet. Uh, we're going to bring 30 megawatts by, um, uh, by December of uh, 2024, we will have 30 megawatts of power going into Unalaska Dutch Harbor. We will shut down five diesel power plants. 76,000 containers a year leave Dutch Harbor. Not 7,600, yes, 76,000 containers will be leave, they leave Dutch Harbor. It's the, for 23 years running, the number one fishing port in America. 60% of all fish consumed in America come from Unalaska Dutch Harbor. 60% of all fish consumed in America come from Alaska, one port, Unalaska Dutch Harbor. We sell $1 billion of fish a year to China. The, the ship goes direct. It's the only international port in Alaska. It is uh, 60 miles from the Great Circle Route where 4,900 ships pass within 60 miles every year of Unalaska Dutch Harbor. Uh, we plan on providing all the food. You know, Alaska only grows 2% of what it eats. We import 98% of our food. Why not get the food from an Alaskan company growing with Alaska's using 100% renewable energy? There's no reason why we shouldn't. We anticipate and we see, we've studied, we've done, we've paid for and done a complete study on heat pumps. There's 950 homes in Unalaska Dutch Harbor. Uh, we plan on changing every home out to a heat pump. We'll give them one kW of geothermal electricity and they'll get back three kW of heat. Where else do you know you can get three to one? Three to one. Uh, pretty good. 
it's so uh, let me let me ask a question real quick with with all these numbers that you're that you're telling me 98% of the food is imported 60% of of american fish consumption is coming through dutch harbor i guess with with those ideas talking about about this makushin volcano and the power you're going to produce do you guys have any any full scale assessment of how much carbon you're going to be saving in terms of like how far you're actually going to be reaching in terms of decarbonizing things like the fishing industry or shipping or or even food in Alaska? You know, we have done those numbers and I wish they were at the top of my head, but if you want to, and for your audience, they can follow this project and get all of those numbers off of a website that is set up just for this project. And it's uh, alaskageothermal.info. Alaskageothermal.info. And that has all those numbers in it. And it's constantly being updated. And what's really nice about that is there's two videos that are uh, implanted into that. One is a five-minute video that shows on Alaska and talks about our vision for the future, talks about just what I'm talking about, the entire vision uh, of having the ships running on hydrogen, uh, having all the fishing fleet on on uh, metro liquid hydrogen that we make there off of geothermal. And it talks about all the carbon that's being saved. And I'm, I'm ashamed that I don't have those numbers right at the tip of my tongue, but that is where you can get them and every one of your, every one of your, uh, Listeners can get that information and they can follow the project because it's updated. And uh, the second video that's implanted is called uh, uh, Titans of Industry. And it's a, it's a trailer for a documentary that Caterpillar is doing. And, uh, and then your listeners all get to know who Bernie Carl is. It's two minute trailer for a documentary, but it's very well done. It has comments from our governor, comments from our, senior senator and uh, uh, I think and, uh, and really comments from my late wife. So it'll really give your listeners a flavor of who Bernie Carl is and it'll really give them a flavor of what's in store for the future and how bright the future is in the geothermal and hydrogen economy. Uh, they'll really get to understand that we do no longer do we have to be addicted to oil. No longer do we have to have, no longer do we need to be concerned about what man is doing for global warming. There is a solution. There is a solution. And, mm-hmm. and the solutions, we walk on top of it. If we harness, as you know, Joe, if we harness just 2% of the Earth's energy, that's a thousand times more energy than the world consumes. A thousand times more. It's insane that mm-hmm. we don't harness more of the Earth's energy. The reason we don't, it's obvious. We're addicted to oil. We're addicted to greed. It costs more to put it in. It costs a hell of a lot more, as you know. But at the end of the day, what is the cost of our environment? What is the cost of living on this Earth? What are we leaving for your grandchildren? 
and my mm-hmm. grandchildren, their grandchildren, what are we leaving? There's yeah. such a great opportunity right now. And I would like to think that, I would like to think that Unalaska Dutch Harbor will be the poster child for the world, will be the poster child for the world of what you can do if you want to do it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that, so I've been following the, the project since it was announced and, and keeping up with Alaska geothermal.info. And it, it really sounds like some really cool stuff going on. I, I'd like to circle back to China hot springs. Cause from my perspective, you've, you've kind of already done this with China. Can you, can you talk about China hot springs, the, the process of, of the purchase and really, I guess why you why you started using geothermal and and then talk about all of the different aspects. Well, let's just start with there. Why do you how did you purchase it? When why did you start using geothermal there at China? Okay, well, you know, I we mine like I told you, my wife and I mined for nine years, and we mined up at a hundred mile Steese Highway on Gold Dust Creek. And we were always the last miners to get started, you know. And so, you know, the road would close then. We're between two summits, 12-mile summit and Eagle Summit. And they would just let the road blow in. So now we're trapped in the middle, so to speak. And you have to use your own wit and equipment to get to to get yourself out of there. You know, the passes would be closed with snow, so you had to go open it up. Only in Alaska do, you, do these kind of things happen. But I wanted to go over to Circle Hot Springs and do our cleanup because it was five five below zero and we were the last miners in the entire valley nobody else was there and and the sluice box was completely frozen i i built a fire all around it and melted everything and i had what's called the cleanup and it's in the back of a pickup and i'm going to drive from 100 miles east highway to 134 mile to go to the hot springs and clean it up in hot water and there was a lot of snow drifts and i had a shovel with me and i'm breaking through the snow drifts and my wife said she said, we're not going to make it. So she said, I don't think we should do this. I said, no, we'll make it. So then she screamed when I was going through a snowdrift and we got high centered, got stuck. So I'm out there shoveling. I said, would you pull the truck head? She said, no, I'm not going to pull the truck head. I told you we weren't going to make it. So now I have to shovel. I mean, you can't believe how hard this snow is. I'm shoveling like you can't believe it's sweating like there's no tomorrow. Then I had to pull the, I'd gain a couple of feet and I'd pull the truck head. I get through that drift and then I'd have to shovel through another one. It took us 12 hours for me to shovel us over the top of the summit. We get over to the hot springs and the water was warm and beautiful. And I told my wife, I said, you know, I said, we need to own uh, this hot springs. We need to own a hot springs. I said, I said, these people are losing all the value. The value's in this hot water. I said, you know, I mean, nobody's making electricity from it. Nobody is. They're, they're not heating their, I mean, they should have greenhouses growing year round, no greenhouses growing year round. I said, this doesn't make any sense to me. Everybody's losing the value. So we finished up mining and then uh, we made a little money on the oil spill. We housed and fed a thousand people on the oil spill. And we, uh, we built three facilities that were all floating out on the water with water, power and sewer. We did that 23 days and we made some money. So then we decided we should buy a hot spring. So there's three hot springs in the area. One is Circle Hot Springs, one is China Hot Springs, 
and one is Manly Hot Springs. We went to all three and we tried to buy them. This was in 1989. And I went to the state to buy this particular hot springs. And uh, I offered them, they wanted $4 million for it. And I offered them $4 million, uh, no money down, no interest. Uh, and I would pay it off in 15 years, but I would invest $3 million in it the first year because it needed $3 million worth of investment because they're heating all the buildings with oil and electric and and they had no ge they weren't using geothermal for anything so i knew it was going to take some money to revamp it and and the reason the state owned it the state the reason the state owned it is because some doctors lawyers and an architect borrowed money from the state teachers pension fund and they forgot to pay it back so they just gave the property back to the state and the state agency that took it over was called ADA Alaska Industrial uh, Development Export Authority and uh, so I went to see their executive director. His name was Riley Snell, and he laughed his off. He said, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. I said, well, okay. I said, I don't think it's too dumb. I said, I'm going to invest $3 million in it. I said, you're still going to own it. I said, I don't know how you could have a better deal. I'm paying you full price. You're going to get your full $4 million. Nine years goes by. Nine years goes by. It's now... 1998, from 1989 to 1998, they lost $1 million a year, not counting debt load. This was a Shangri-La up here. I mean, they had uh, they had uh, 40 rooms, uh, no activities, uh, uh, hot springs that was heated with, uh, with diesel fuel. Uh, uh, you know, none of it made sense, really. Um, they had 54 employees to take care of 40 rooms, uh, free, free food, uh, uh, free fuel, uh, free booze, uh, free drugs. This was a Shangri-La, really. Uh, nine years of that. So one, I sat on the corrections board and I was going to a board meeting in Anchorage and I just thought I would stop at Ada's office and I asked uh, the loan officer, Joanne Wixon, if, if the hot springs was still available. And she said, that's funny that you would ask. She said, your wife called this morning and asked the same thing. Now, my wife and I hadn't talked about it at all, you know, because I was up at up at 4 a.m. The airplane left at 6 a.m., so you got to be at the airport at 5. So, I mean, I was gone. I mean, I, and we never talked about it at all. So I said, well, I said, I'm going to uh, make you an offer. Uh, I said, it's a cash offer. I said, it's good for uh, it's good for 24 hours. Uh, $1.5 million. Uh, you got 24 hours to accept it. And she said, let me run it by the management. And so I finished my board meeting on the corrections board and I'm driving out to the airport. I just called my wife to let her know I'm heading to the airport. I'll be home. She said, what did you do today in Anchorage? I said, well, I went to the board meeting and that's uh, what I did. And she said, you didn't do anything else? I said, no. And she said, well, why did Ada call and say to put your offer in writing, they've accepted. I said, oh yeah. I said, you called them and asked about Gina Hot Springs. She said, okay, big shot. Where are you getting 1.5 million? I said, don't worry about it, sweetheart. I said, it's a great deal. I said, we'll get the money from the bank. And um, so we did. We borrowed 3 million from the bank. We, uh, we paid Ada off and we put 1.5 million in it right away. 
And uh, uh, every day from that day on, we've made things better. After we drilled the well, uh, you know, I told you on the, on the first day that we owned it, we started drilling. On the sixth day, uh, we stopped drilling uh, and we started producing hot water and, and we took care of the pool building first. And then we kept expanding the, extending the hot water system until we have every building on the property heated with hot water. Then it came time to make electricity and I'd been studying organic Rankin cycles and I knew that I could rerun re a refrigeration system backwards and make electricity. And so that's what I was off to do. And I discussed it all with Roy Mink and uh, David Garman then was the assistant secretary of energy at the time. And they came to China and we discussed that. And uh, uh, Roy Mink is the one who put me in charge with United Technologies. Uh, we have their turbines here. Uh, when United Technologies sold that division, uh, some of their people left, their chief engineer that, that actually uh, designed uh, a lot of compressors for them. Is a guy by the name of uh, Yan. Yan is now uh, he's now working for Cashon. He happens to be Chinese, and another another one of their engineers who went to work for him was Bruce Peterman. And uh, so with that, that's how we ended up with Cashon. And uh, uh, we, you know, I've always had a dream for greenhouses. So uh, the same year that we bought it from the state, we put in our first uh, greenhouse. Uh, and we started growing food. Now we have the furthest northern greenhouse, the most productive greenhouse. These numbers don't come from Bernie Carl. They come from the Controlled Environment Conference was held here at China. Scientists from 75 countries were here for four days. And they said that I, uh, we have the most productive greenhouse in the world. And it is productive. And we really care. So now we're going to upscale that. You are right. We have a mini, we have a mini uh, Unalaska Dutch Harbor project right here. And you are you are correct when you say we're going to mirror it uh, because we are. We're going to, you know, we're going to be using we're going to be using steam and a much hotter water than we have here because our our water is 165 degrees. And that's not very hot, but with an organic Rankin cycle, you can still make it work. So, so we're going to take all the concepts that we have here at China, and we're going to take every one of these concepts to Alaska Dutch Harbor, and and expand and make better what we have here. So we're going to duplicate it, but we're going to do it better, and uh, and we're going to do it bigger, and we're going to do it with the same amount of, of energy and love that we have here. We're just gonna take that 1200 nautical miles from here and, and, and showcase what you can do where the energy cost is so high. When we finish that project, we have the next project lined up behind it over at Accutan, uh, where their largest expense is, is electricity. Their, their electricity costs more than having 1200 employees. So we're going to go help Trident Seafoods out. Uh, I believe you're going to see on the Ring of Fire, you're going to see us help lots of people. All of our equipment will stay there. And uh, we're just going to keep making the world a better place to live. Yeah, and I think everything you're doing there with the 
with the cascading of the energy resource. I think that's the that's a real benefit, and that's something that that people don't think about. It's actually something I was on a call earlier today talking about that's really the way to utilize these low temperature resources, finding ways to cascade them and really utilize the entire stream. And I think that's how you can create this this little ecosystem that is that is able to self-sustain having your electricity, having your food production, having having a little bit of entertainment with hot springs and and just a comfortable comfortable living environment because of the hot springs there. So I think that's really really great what you guys are doing. And I think that's a it's a something that our I guess mutual colleague Dave Blackwell would always talk about is utilizing the Aleutian volcanic chain because as climate change continues, as Arctic uh, shipping lanes open up, that is a, it's almost like a, like a gas station for, for these large shipping vessels and this large transportation that is, it is a, a very carbon intensive industry. So I guess, is that something that you guys have, have thought about in a, in a very high level, like what does that look like in the next five or 10 years as in terms of decarbonizing shipping through geothermal power on the Aleutians? If you look at, uh, when you look at our little five minute vision, vision video of the future, it shows all of these ships in the picture being fueled with liquid hydrogen. Now, I don't have the patent from Metro, but it belongs to Roy Mank, who kind of is the modern day father of hydrogen. He wrote the book, The Hydrogen Economy, and uh, he'll actually be here at the Energy Fair. And uh, we're going to do a little pilot plant that makes 65 million gallons a year of this Metro just to take care of the fishing fleet. Now, now you don't have to change your diesel engine. There's 2 billion gas and diesel engines in the world today. 2 billion, not million, billion. And you can convert all of them to Metro. Uh, it, uh, you know, it's liquid and atmospheric. You put it into your fuel tank. You don't need any extra kind of equipment to handle it. It doesn't have the same density as gasoline or diesel. It only has 105,000 BTUs per gallon. But every gallon of Metro you burn, you get a gallon of water out the, out the exhaust. So now if you burn 30 gallons of Metro, you get 30 gallons of water. Now, this is distilled water, drinking water, pure water, ready to go to work. So on a fishing boat, one of your biggest things is to have water. Now, they fill up with, you know, they put on, you know, the big boats put on 40, 50,000 gallons of water, and they put them on right there at Unalaska Dutch Harbor. They've got a big hose that fills them up. Or they have a water maker on board, and they use salt water and, 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 and uh, have a desalination unit. Now, they won't need any of that. They'll run their generator and off of the exhaust of their generator, they'll make all the water they need. Think about that a minute. Every vehicle that runs, instead of putting out emissions that are going to harm the earth, they're putting out water. Now you can collect that water in your trunk. Put If you burn 30 gallons of, of Metro and you're in the desert, now you got 30 gallons of water you can take home with you, drinking water. You don't need to buy bottled water anymore. No more plastic bottles. 
your trunk is full of drinking water. Put it in a put it in a go cups. Now that'll cut down all the plastic bottles. You have two billion engines in the world making making uh, making your liquid hydrogen. And what's the best way to do it? From renewables. Now let's just say, for instance, there's different ways to do this, but starting out, to be quite honest with you, we're going to use electrolyzers, which somebody said that makes no sense because it takes more energy to make the the hydrogen than uh, than you get out of it. Well, you know, that's not exactly true. It depends what you pay for the electricity. So we're going to be making this on all of our off times. When you have 30 megawatts of power, there's peaks. And and, and uh, very seldom do we ever need the whole 30 megawatts of power at Moon Alaska Dutch Harbor. Their biggest load right now is about 12 megawatts. So we've really expanded to take in the other power plants and take in for the future. And we're always going to run, you know, a, a geothermal power plant, you should base load them. And we're going to do that by making by making hydrogen. And that's, you know, we know we're only putting in a 30 megawatt plant. We know that we could easily put another 100 megawatts. Who knows, maybe 500 megawatts. I mean, we're talking, we're talking the ring of fire. Who knows? I mean, at Akutan, I don't know. We could, who knows how much we can make? That's why we have our own drill rig. We have John Ziagas on board, who is a, who's a geophysicist and probably one of the better geophysicists in the world. And we can always consult with Roy Mink, who's on our team, and Dr. David Blackwell, uh, who we know well. If it wasn't for Dr. Blackwell, I wouldn't know what's heating China Hot Springs up here. You know, we have no, uh, you know, which kind of an kind of an interesting side effect here. China has a tremendous amount of uh, tremendous amount of uh, helium come out of its wells, as you know. Helium comes from radioactive decay of thorium, so. You know, helium is one of the 19 strategic elements. I believe that this could be one of the largest helium anomalies left in the world. Air Liquide has been here four times trying to buy this. And uh, uh, the helium is really coming out pure. So my goal, it takes a lot of horsepower to liquefy it, as you know. We're on uh, well number two up here right now. We started cleaning it. It's at... Uh, 2,600 feet, I'm going to drill it to 4,000 feet because uh, Dr. David Blackwell tells me that the geochemistry shows him that the geothermometer is going to be 240 degrees at 4,000 feet. He may or may not be right, but I'm going to find out. And if it is 240 degrees, it's going to help me tremendously. And then I'll put another, he said he would sign his name to five megawatts of power. If, if we can do that, then I'm going to liquefy all this, all this helium. My goal is to send a tank truckload a month of liquid helium out of here worth $4,000 a gallon. That'll help take off, uh, you know, take a little edge off of things. So the main product we may have in the future, stay tuned, is, is uh, helium. In Unalaska Dutch Harbor, you know, you have to look at what's in the water. We're running two parts per million gold. You know, that property was originally sold to 7,000 acres that we bought over there. That was originally sold for gold property, not for geothermal. It was sold because it's probably some of the richest gold property left in the world. But who in the hell wants to tear up and make a gold mine? Not me. But it does have two parts per million gold in the water. It's pretty easy to get that out of the water. So our byproduct is going to be, I figure, I figure on a well, a 13 and 3 8 inch well that's putting out one to two million pounds of steam an hour 
will make about a thousand ounces of gold a year at two parts per million. So why not take it out? It's going to be easy to do. And, uh, you know, um, you know, have little bars of gold on your desk to give away as Christmas gifts, <laughs> you know, little half, half ounce bars, make them look like a little Hershey chocolate bar and give them away as Christmas gifts. Well, I think that sounds like a, like a great idea and definitely a, a Christmas gift. I'll, I'll be looking for in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that it's, it's just really cool and always fun to talk to you to, to hear about all these different ideas. And I, I really like that last thing you said that you came up to Alaska, started on the pipeline and you wanted to stay. So you started to gold mine. And what I hear you saying is that you really found something better than gold. That is the, the, the natural progression of things, the, the heat, coming from the earth that is that is a tangible feelable direct source of that of that value and really of that that those gold riches and treasures that you were able to see the value of and now all of china hot springs what you're making down there at at unalaska and really everything that China power is kind of focused on this whole, whole idea of, of zero waste. Even, I think that's even more, more progressive than the idea of net zero emissions. You're talking about zero waste out of everything. And I think that's just, that's, that's something that always inspires me and definitely a, a very big idea that is hard to think about for, for most people. But I think, going to China and seeing it in action would be great for everybody. Everybody should visit China hot springs at least once in their life. Take the power tour, jump on one of the tours to drive up the, the road that is built on plastic. And definitely we didn't even get to talk about the ice museum, but we're definitely, there's just so many cool things that, that you can see and be inspired by. So there's a few rapid fire questions here at the end. The, the first one, what is the most important book you've ever read? The Bible. The Bible. I like it. Best, that, best history book in the world. You don't have to, you don't have to be a, I'm not a religious nut. I give all the credit to God. I got God first in my life and, uh, and the Bible don't read it for any religious purposes. Read it as the best history book you're ever going to read. All right. And then next question, when are we going to be net zero as a society for you? I want to ask, when do you think we're going to be waste free as a society? Wow, that is a great question. Uh, we can only become waste-free when we educate the next two generations. It won't be my generation, and it won't be the next generation, but it'll be the generation after. And, and how can I say that? Because I'm educating these people now. My whole, my whole, uh, you know, God's given me 50 more years of life with good health. 
So I can promise you that within the next two generations, uh, you're going to see America strongly working towards that and maybe almost there. But it's going to take two more generations. All right. I like it. And that's a, I, I guess I can't agree more with the idea that we can only teach the next generation and then they have to implement it. And that almost more importantly, those same values and those same ideas and the, the knowledge that was transferred and gained needs to continue on. Otherwise, otherwise we lose it. So, so now you can ask me any question you want. Well, where do you plan on being in five years? That's the question I want to ask. Where, where is Joe going to be in five years? And where do you want to be in five years? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So, so right now I'm with a, with a company called PetroLearn. We are doing, we are coming up with new technology solutions to, to work towards the I, solving the problems and challenges in geothermal in carbon sequestration and in unconventional oil and gas production really where where I want to be in 5 years is I want I want to take those ideas and make carbon sequestration a a an active active part of any energy production plan. I want to take geothermal and I want to make that a household name and make that a, not just a Western US thing or a ring of fire power source. I want to make that a universal power source. And really I want, I want to, and with this podcast, really propel the idea, make net zero and carbon free and waste free, make those, they're kind of dirty names i'd like to make those more of a more of the status quo like getting to that stage as opposed to talking about that in the back alley so that's where i want to be in five years i know that's not specific but it i think that's those are the kind of big lofty ideas that need to be happening within the next five years if we're going to really, if we are going to hit these net zero targets and carbon free electricity by 2050 targets that the current administration's putting in and the, and really a lot of, a lot of large public companies are starting to say they want to, they want to be net zero by 2050, 2060, what have you. It really needs to be a, maybe not a daily conversation, but a one of those common talking points that everybody everybody is comfortable with talking about. I want it to become a dinner table topic that you can that you can bring to the in-laws and gladly discuss and not not leave with a knife in your back. Absolutely. I uh I'm here to help you. So I, I totally agree with your uh where you want to go and I'm here to help. Well, thank you. So with with that, I think we're going to we're going to call it a wrap and where one more time where can people find you, find out about China Power and find about everything you're doing. Well, they can go to 
alaskageothermal.info. Alaska Geothermal is one word, lowercase, dot info. And I really believe uh, from there, they can learn about who Bernie Carl is. They can learn about our project and all of the, all the people involved. There's a little, uh, you know, biography of each person that's involved and, uh, and what we bring to it, the vision of where we're going. It has updates on what we're building and where we're going and what we're doing. I really believe it, uh, I believe it's a good source for you to stay at. So you can be a part of our project and be a part of the future. That sounds great. Thank you, Bernie. And I, I've got an idea for your next video that you can put on there. As you get these combustion engines burning hydrogen, I want to see you take a glass of that exhaust and drink it. And I'll be there to cheers you if I, if I can get an invite. There you go. I'll tell you what, Joe, I will promise you this. You, you will have an invite for the ribbon cutting when we, uh, we throw the switch for first power. You will that have an invite great. to be at uh, to be at the power plant, to be on the Aleutian Islands, and to be 14 miles from nowhere. You'll be there, and uh, uh, I believe it'll be the most significant. Uh, you know, uh, it's just it'll be the it'll be the start of uh, just so much more. You know, what I mean. I didn't get to finish, you know, once we get, the, you know, we're only going to do five acres of greenhouses a year. The greenhouses are costing $2 million an acre. So we're going to do five acres the first year. We do five acres a year. And, uh, and then uh, kind of simultaneously with that, we're going to put in the world's largest fish hatchery. And, uh, uh, and we have some great ideas on how to put five species of salmon back in the ocean. And it takes energy, which we'll have. And it takes water, which we have. It's 100% on native ground, 100% native owned. And uh, uh, then you have to have food for the fish and the two largest fish mill plants in the world are doing Alaska Dutch Harbor. And right now all the fish mill gets shipped to China. And what do they use it for? Fish food. Yeah, they grow fish and they grow shrimp. And what do they feed them? Fish meal. So we don't have to go very far for our food for the fish. And uh, we're not gonna change, we're not gonna genetically change any fish. They're all going to be wild stock, but we're going to grow them uh, to different sizes and we're going to turn them loose at different times a year. And we believe that they can come back every month out of the year if you have the money, the energy, and the food to feed them until they get bigger. And uh, that's what we plan on doing. We plan on, we plan on not, we plan on working in concert with nature. Right now, the king salmon, the king salmon's worth $4,000 as a sport fish. There's almost none left in Broad Bay. They're all just kind of gone. We want to bring them back where 2 million fish come back every month, 12 months out of the year. And somebody said, well, uh, we can't find where anybody's ever done that. Why do you think you can do it? I said, well, if your aunt had balls, she'd have been your uncle. Just because no one has ever done it, that doesn't mean it can't be done. It means you got to think about it. You got to think how nature does it. How does nature control a fish? And why are they? Why does nature have a, a a fry? And why does the fry go to the ocean at that age? Because it takes him four years to return. So all we have to do is work with nature. Nature is the best teacher we have. But mm -hmm. some of us aren't learning. Some of us don't even go out in nature. 
Some of our kids are so busy playing on games, they don't even get out of the outside the house. They don't know what ants are doing or what 40 different types of colonies are pollinating their food. They have no, they don't have a clue. And it's all right in front of them. It's mm -hmm. all right there. And it's so beautiful. And that's what we need to do. We need to mimic nature. Not yep. a better teacher on earth than nature. Yep. Well, with that, I think we are going to call it. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on this episode of the Low Carbon Solutions Podcast. If you want to hear more great stories from the energy industry, connect with OGGN on LinkedIn or at OGGN.com. And if you're in the Houston area, definitely go check out the Canon. That's where I record during while I'm in Houston. It's a great facility. Mention OGGN and you can get a a free day pass and on on bernie's recommendation i say we all get outside enjoy nature enjoy the weekend look at some some bees some wasps try and count those 40 pollinators that he mentioned so everybody thank you and until next time remember to stay low carbon and high energy Join us again next week for another low-carbon, high-energy story on the Low Carbon Solutions Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.